Welcome to Many Happy Miles, a podcast that celebrates all types of forward movement, whether it's an epic hike, a metric century bike ride, or your first brisk walk after, say, being in a boot. We're here to say yay to it all and bring on guests to inspire you to move with joy. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. And I'm Sarah Wastner Flynn. And this week I'm celebrating surviving a root canal, Dimity. <laughs> oh gosh. Those are oh, it's honestly like how much did you feel? Well, they numb you, right? <laughs> Probably not much. Me. They numb me right up. And I think the worst, and I haven't had much dental work in the past, but you know, you always remember like when you get a filling, the numbness I think is always the worst. This time it lasted like six hours. And I was like, I'm just ready to speak normally and stop drooling out of one side of my mouth right yeah, now. Yeah. And then as the numbness started to wear off, I'm like, oh, now it's going to be painful. You know, I put it on Instagram stories. That I had a root canal. And for some reason, like four or five people responded like, I'm so sorry you had major surgery. I was like, this isn't major surgery. I'm okay. <laughs> I didn't like put it out there that I was having like anything crazy, but you know, thinking about 2023, like just, you know, not too long ago. And I was like, this is going to be the year I'm going to start off really like hot and come out and like crush all my goals. And the first week I had a sinus infection and now I'm having root canal issues. So, oh my gosh, 2023 was like, hold my beer. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Totally. It's the noise. It is the noise of the root canal. It's any dental work noise is what gets Mm -hmm. to me. Just the Mm -hmm. drill and like the scraping and Gosh, everyone's turning off right now because they're like, yeah, I don't like that either, Dimity. So I know, let's talk about, about it. <laughs> so I know like, you know, I'll share, I shared like my not so great news. You also have some not so great, no great news. news. Well, yeah, I talked there. about my boot a couple, uh, like last week on, I, I shared the story in great detail on how I, you know, fractured my ankle and uh, one of my toe bones. I kind of like saying toe bone. If it feels mm-hmm. it better than like fifth metatarsal feels so proper. But yeah, the, <laughs> the good news is that I went back to the orthopedist yesterday and uh, and probably four weeks is what we're looking at of being in the oh, boot. And okay. I mean, my swelling has gone down tremendously, which I mean, today is the first day that I've been able to put a pair of jeans on and mm. fit, fit over my calf. And I, these are not skinny jeans. <laughs> granted, <laughs> granted, they're not like, you know, boot flare either, but they're just like straight legs mm-hmm. and they don't hurt. And so, and like, again, just having that and Velcroing that into the boot, having jeans in the boot would have been too much for me a couple of days mm. ago, but um, so oh. that's good news. So yeah, so four weeks, which isn't so bad. And mm-hmm. I went and got in the pool, on Sunday for the first time in a very long time and did a pole set, which, you know, if you can't use your legs, mm-hmm. <laughs> your arms are going to get a little more tired, but it was fun. I'm glad I did it. And I'm going to go back. Of course, I, exactly how you were like, oh, I'm going to go gangbusters into this year. And I'm like, I'm going to go three times every week. And I haven't been back since Sunday and it's now right. <laughs> Thursday. So tomorrow, tomorrow morning, I promise myself I will go. So there's something about the pool. I also, so I'm thinking about doing a race that involves swimming. And I was like, I'm going to go three times, four times a week. And then like, it's just a little bit more of an extra step for me that I can find some excuses. He's not to. It. It, it really, uh, and, yeah. I, and, and I mean, this is, you know, going back a year now, but I've really gotten out of the habit of going somewhere to exercise, mm-hmm. you know, I right. mean, unless I've got a race on the calendar, you know, which I did when, when I did the aqua bike, but, you know, I'd rather be either outside or 
I wouldn't rather be in my basement, but I've just gotten used to being in my basement. I do think it's good for me to Mm -hmm. go to the pool. I think it's good for me to go to like, even just seeing the gym at the rec center. I'm like, I need to start using that just because, you know, the social aspect, just being around people and, Mm -hmm. you know, chatting with them. I mean, even on Sunday, I was like, oh, I had a really nice chat with someone in the locker room, you know, like that was kind of made my day, you know, and she had had two knee replacements. So, you know, again, just like putting me in my place or, you know, putting my situation in my place, she did not put me in Puts it in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had a similar injury last year and it was a similar timeline and I was really nervous about coming back, but I do feel like sometimes those little bones heal quickly. And so hopefully for you, it'll be the same case and you'll be back out there and yes, you know, yes. back up. But in the meantime, yeah, keep swimming away. Cause it's like, it's pretty good. Can you push off the wall? No, no. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I just, just, I just stopped and pushed off with the other foot. Like mm-hmm. I didn't do a flip turn yeah. or anything. I was pretty cautious. I mean, I think right. I probably could. Mm, I don't think so. No, I'm like, I couldn't push off that. No, that feels like it would hurt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I would, I did too. I would just push off the one leg or just stop like you did. And gingerly move, but I felt like in the beginning too, just the flexion flexion with my ankle was pretty painful as well. Like even if you're just dragging your feet behind you, like if you get like a little bit of drag, it's sometimes like, oh, but um, your your arms are going to be so strong. Just think about that way. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully I can hike on my arms, come, you know, or you know, use those to pedal my bike. But yeah, no, all good, all good. And in the scheme of things, not that big of a deal. So yes. Well, I am excited. Talk about, you know, bringing on some adversity is the wrong word, but um, definitely some challenge into your life. Today's episode of Many Happy Miles, we are continuing on the theme of highlighting mother runners who did something epic in the fitness realm in 2022. If you didn't listen to our first um, part in this series, where we chatted with Kimberly Versack, who ran the Comrades Marathon, and Julie Patno, who completed the Trans Rockies, just rewind in our feed and load it up next because today we're bringing on two more amazing mother runners who had incredible accomplishments in 2022. First up is Rachel Jones, a mom of a teenage son and a massage therapist in Colorado Springs. She recently made local headlines for one very, very cool and epic reason. In 2022, Rachel became the first woman to climb the Manitou Incline 1,000 times in one year. And get this, Rachel did it while pregnant. Oh, and just to fill you in on what the Manitou Incline is, it's 2,744 steps that gain over 2,000 feet of elevation in less than a mile. Located above Colorado Springs, it's notorious for being one of the hardest and most rewarding climbs in North America. So we can't wait to hear all about it. Welcome, Rachel. Hey, thanks for having me. So excited to have you. I mean, the Manitou Incline is not for the faint of heart. I know that it used to be the well, the rumor has it that it was like the inspiration for the Stairmaster, like way back in the day. Um, it's an old cog rail world that just like literally goes straight up the side of a mountain. So just to give you a little picture of it. That's crazy. And Rachel, so I did the quick math. You took about 2,744,000 steps on a steep incline. So it's also 2 million vertical feet, which is over 1,300 Empire State buildings stacked up one on top of the other, which is just... I mean, it's hard to wrap your head around those numbers. I can't. But what inspired you to take on such a big challenge like that? Well, it started about a decade ago. A a group called the 500 Club was formed, and they consisted of people who uh, wanted to do the incline 500 times within a year. 
Okay. And at the time, I just thought that challenge, it was so huge. I was so far away from it that I felt like I would need to upgrade in every area of my life, physically, mentally, socially, financially, emotionally, um, to be able to even do something like that. So it really was just like that goal of, well, you know, when I get my life together, mm-hmm. when I better myself to that extent that I wanted to be, that yeah. was like the type of goal I would be able to try on. So it was kind of like a seed being planted and it was in the back of my mind. It was always like that thing I wanted to do one day. Mm-hmm. But uh, we assume you didn't just pick it up and, and start one day. Did you have an athletic background or like, what is your athletic background? So I don't have a very impressive athletic background. I played basketball a little in in middle school and high school. And then about 10 years after high school, I attempted to get into running. I did a 5K, I did a 10K, uh, walked half of the 10K. And really, (laughs) I just, I I had a lot of physical limitations. I used to get shin splints really bad. I had really bad sports-induced asthma. Mm -hmm. And I really just had a mentality that told me that anything more than that was too hard. So though I wanted to try for um, a marathon and even a half marathon, I attempted to train and I just felt like it was way too much, too much of a commitment, too much time, too much energy. I just thought it was too hard. So I bailed. Hmm. So yeah, coming into this challenge because I fell in love with the incline and I'll tell you the first time I did it, I only got about halfway and build. Yeah. Because wow. it was too hard. Yeah. Go back to your 500. So what you, that was five yeah. years ago, did you say? It was 10 years ago that the 500 club started. Okay. And that's when I first heard about it. And at this time, I only did half of the incline. Like I said, my first time, the next time I tried, I was able to get to the top, but even then I'm only doing one lap every couple of weeks. And mm-hmm. that was really hard for me. So this idea of 500 laps in a year it just blew my mind. And I thought, how amazing would it be if I could really do something like that one day? So it was like always something to work towards. Okay. And so did you, did you make it into the 500 club or did you just go straight to the 1000? <laughs> so in 2020, when the world shut down, that really inspired me to get out more. I'm so glad that I lived in Colorado during a pandemic because there's so many trails here where you can just go out and exercise and get sunshine and be away from people. So I really um, got into hiking a lot more. And I think I did the, I did the incline about a hundred times in 2020. And then in 2021, I was really starting to feel like, okay, I'm finally in that place where I'm gearing up to be able to take on the 500 challenge. So in September of 2021, I decided to just commit and go for it. So it started with me only going for 500. Hmm. Oh, and then you up leveled to a thousand. So you went from September, like when did you finish this quest? When did, when was your thousandth time up? So what's um, interesting about this challenge is it just needs to be within a 365 day period. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that qualifies. If you can get that many laps, 500 within 365 consecutive days, then it qualifies you. So I started going towards 500 in September 1st of 2021. But uh, as my journey was going on, I wanted a bigger challenge. I felt like I had it. I felt like I was going to be able to accomplish it. And I realized it kind of was making me lose steam. Like I actually wanted something I really had to stretch for and sacrifice for. I just wanted a bigger challenge. So on December 19th, I decided to start counting towards a thousand. Mm -hmm. So I was simultaneously working towards 500 as well as a thousand, but 
I just wanted to pick a goal that I thought was impossible. Yeah. And figure out how to make it possible. Yeah. Oh my wow. gosh. I love it. The previous record for women was 585. Were you aware of that? Or and were you trying to surpass the record or did someone tell you that along the way? So I was aware of that when I qualified for 500, when I made it into the 500 club, I made it early and I was the third woman in the 500 club. So the first woman in the 500 club is the one who set the record of 585. Now I will say with her, the woman is, she's incredible. She is a former gymnast, a professional gymnast, incredible athlete. And she wasn't even trying to go for 500. She was going up there and doing doubles on the incline every day. as just a part of her routine. So our our record keeper who also hikes the incline regularly, he noticed what she was doing and he said, Hey, you're doing the incline like 500 times already. Let me just count for you. You'll be the first woman in this club. She's super humble. She was like, no, no, I don't want to do any of that. I don't care about any of that stuff. I'm just here for fun. So she just did her thing. He counted for her anyways. And she ended up at 585 in the year. So that she did that without any trying or effort or that's just what her year looked like. Mm -hmm. So I was aware of that previous record, but it certainly wasn't, I don't feel like proud that I beat that record because Mm -hmm. that was just a regular year of that woman's life, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's a regular for most of us around here, Rachel. Don't worry about that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the logistics of your climbs. Like how often would you go and, and like, like you were talking about doing laps. And so like, so you go up the incline for sure. That's, that's definitely the climbing part, but there's yeah. two ways down. There's like a trail run down that I can't remember how many miles that is. How do you know, Rachel, off the top of your head? Yeah. So if you take bar trail down, it's about three miles of switchbacks and it's a beautiful, beautiful trail, yes. um, but it's about three miles. So it's going to take longer to get down. Unless mm-hmm. you, or you could just turn around and go down and the way that down you came the up. Stairs. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, right. And it's exactly. usually not, it's not recommended to take the stairs down because it is more dangerous. It's more challenging. Um, however, it's a shorter distance. So for those of us who do the incline regularly and we're strong and have the balance and the uh, experience doing it, we'll take the trail back down because okay. it is a lot faster. It is a lot faster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so tell us like, give us a, a typical day in your, in your incline world. So this was interesting because I run my own business full-time. I'm a massage therapist. So I strategized hiking around my schedule as well as around my son's need. My, my son's, my son is a 16. So around okay. his needs as well. So to be in the 500 club, you need to hike about 10 times a week. That breaks down to maybe five days of doubles, which is manageable. So let's say a couple laps takes two and a half hours or so. That's about the time some, like a lot of people spend at the gym in the morning. So if Mm -hmm. I get up, go in the morning, I'm there for about two, two and a half hours. I get my two laps in five days a week. You can see how that can be uh, manageable. And mm-hmm. I think that's why I increased my record because, or my, uh, my goal, because the two times five days a week, that became easy for me to do because I kept increasing my lap amount out of curiosity. I went from doing doubles to triples to four times back to back, five, six, seven, eight. Oh my gosh. Were you wow. there all day I, when you did the eight? <laughs> I, I was. And what I was working towards is a crazy challenge called an inclinathon. 
that is something that one of the locals made up because it's about a mile up, mile down. If you do it 13 times, we call that an inclinathon because it's a distance of a, about the distance of a marathon. Okay. On the incline. And I wanted to take on that challenge as well, just to see if I could. Yeah. And so I was gradually working up, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11. And I did finally eventually get to 13 as well. So as far as what a day looked like for me, there were days where I went and I only had time to do one lap. There were days where I was there for the max was 24 hours. I actually was out there a couple of times for 24 hours and did 13 laps. The fastest I did 13 was 17 hours and 50 minutes. So there were quite a few days where I had 10s and 11s and 13s. I did 10 inclinathons last year. So you did um, did 13 laps 10 times last year. 10 times. Yes. And six of those were within a month. Wow. Wow. Do you get any support? Like, do you have people, you know, laying out a picnic for you or anything? Are you just like by (laughs) yourself with your like, you know, sandwiches and your hydration pack? The way that I did it was I just brought my backpack and a couple gallons of water. Mm-hmm. Other people that have done inclinathons, there's not a long list of these crazy people, but there are other people that have done it. They sometimes they'll do them together or have somebody come out for support, but it's really such a low key thing that we really don't make a big deal out of it. It's just one crazy person decides they want to do an inclinathon. So they kind of go out there and just try. <laughs> wow. just, they're out there all day. <laughs> wow. So for me, the, the year I actually hiked 239 days of the 365. So I was not out there every day. It definitely, mm, that's interesting. Okay. It definitely was, you know, maybe one lap one day, maybe five laps the next day, maybe no laps the next day, and then a day of 10. So it was, it was very all over the place. Okay. Right. And at some point you found out you were pregnant. So where was that in the, in the yes. team? <laughs> so I found out that I was pregnant on September 30th. So I actually, the beginning of my pregnancy was the end of August. I just thought that I was starting my period and I was getting symptoms from that. And that's what the fatigue was. And that's what the, um, the, the mood was and the, and the energy and, and the, uh, like, just, I just thought it was, my period was coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing I noticed was my heart rate had increased and I was a little concerned because I had never experienced that while I was hiking. And I thought maybe something was wrong with me. My heart rate was suddenly noticeably faster because I trained by my heart rate. So when I discovered that I was pregnant, I spoke with my doctor. And because at that point I had already done the incline for months and months and months. And I, Mm -hmm. at that point I was already doing 40 laps a week. You know, it's about 80 miles a week on the incline. She considered it perfectly safe for me to continue. But she mm-hmm. said, you're just going to have to work around your symptoms. And the symptoms of the first trimester were awful. Oh. <laughs> so I had to pull back quite a bit to be able to continue. Wow. 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 And so wait, what do you remember? Like when you had that meeting with your doctor, were you at like number 970? <laughs> like, where were you? Do you remember? Or That's a good question. I, I would have to look back at my chart because I was counting for 500 and then I shifted and started counting towards a thousand. I, I believe I was over 700, maybe okay. over 600. I can't remember exactly what the number was. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had I definitely done over 600, 700 laps before finding out I was pregnant. Okay. Yeah. Because in mid-October is when I 
I believe I hit 800 somewhere around mid to late October. So, okay. so I had a few hundred left to go and my body had suddenly dramatically completely changed. And I had no idea what I would be expecting day to day, but I just thought I've already come this far. I just need to s- just keep going and see what I can do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, so, um, so we know you let us know that you're due with a baby girl in May, Yes, but your gender reveal was unlike any other. So, so what did you do? <laughs> How did you share with the world that you're going to have a girl? So when I found out I was pregnant, I actually thought it best to keep that private. Okay. And so I obviously told my boyfriend and my close family, close friends, but I didn't tell the other hikers, the other regulars on the trail or my clients or a lot of those people in my life. So when I finally hit a thousand, typically when you reach a thousand or 500, there's kind of like an awards ceremony. You get a plaque. Everyone comes out and does that last hike with you, kind of have a little party celebration. I decided to make that my pregnancy announcement. And because mm-hmm. of the timing, I thought I might as well make it the gender reveal too. So I asked the president of the Incline Clubs if he would do the honor of helping me with the gender reveal. So I gave him the envelope and he made me a plaque for my thousand club. And then he made a little baby plaque for the gender reveal. And it was something I had to unwrap to discover whether I was having a boy or a girl. And there's a a fun nickname for the woman who has the record of most laps in a year. And that's the queen of the incline. Mm -hmm. So on my plaque, it was to say either prince of the incline or princess of the incline. Oh, so when I unwrapped, yeah, when I unwrapped that for everybody, we all got to find out that I was having a princess. Oh, yeah, it's so, <laughs> it's so unique. When you tell her that story, when she tells that story to people, like in the future, they'll be like, "Wow, never heard that one before." <laughs> I know. Just all those cannons, <laughs> confetti cannons to shame. Yeah. Yes, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's very unique. I, I yeah. highly doubt anyone will ever have an identical gender reveal like what I just had. So I feel really lucky I got wow. to do that. Are you going to name her like princess or, or do you have like a, or like a step or incline for a middle name or something? Do we know? You know, people have asked me that a lot and I feel like she has already spent so much of her fetus years on the incline that she doesn't need a name that has to do with it. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I do it in her sleep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so amazing. Well, your story resonates so much with listeners, not only because you're a mom and you were doing this in the you know small pockets of time that you could find, um, I think you're pregnant and also because of this journey from going from someone who didn't believe that you could do a 10K or to now doing this amazing accomplishment. So what is advice or a takeaway that you can give to our listeners about just going after something that's so daunting that you didn't even know you could do it until you tried? I think it would be important to come up with multiple goals. I think a lot of times we set a goal that we know we can do because it's safer, something that's hard, but attainable, which is fine. But I think if you also pick a goal beyond that, and, and just plant that seed in the back of your mind, something that you actually believe you can't do and have multiple goals to work towards as you're working towards something, it helps you to, to really find out what you're capable of. Because I think we're all capable of so much more than we think. And people who want to do a 10K or a half, 
you know, in the back of their mind, they might really want to do a marathon, but they're just not ready to confront that. And I say, just go ahead and make that the goal anyways, make that marathon the goal or like a 50 K something crazy. Like just put that out there because maybe you can. And if you only shoot for a 10 K, you'll never know if you can do a 50 K. Mm-hmm. That is good advice. That is good advice. Well, and I got to say, I think your birth, I mean, I don't know, like it's probably going to feel pretty, well, births never feel easy as we all know if you've experienced <laughs> yeah. it, but my gosh, I, are you going to keep doing the incline prior to having Miss Princess? So I am, I, I still have been hiking, not as much. There are quite a few things that I put on the back burner sure, because I was hiking so much that I've been getting caught up with life. But I am going to continue hiking and I am at 446 laps that I've done while pregnant. So I thought it would be fun to just see if I can do 500 while pregnant. So if I can do another 54 before May 29th, I'll start my own 500 fetus club. Which is a total <laughs> joke. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, it's not a real thing, but that's what I'm I'm going to try to do through the rest mm-hmm. of my pregnancy. And then on the other side of childbirth, I, I do want to get into running. I want to run a marathon. I want to run an ultra. I think that I have the mentality for it. I've, I've I would agree. We mentality. would agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can go all day. I can go for 24 hours. So even though my body's never done it, I know that that's just a detail. It just takes training and consistency and I'm definitely going to get into that on the other side of giving birth. That's amazing. Well, good luck with that. We are 100% confident that you could probably do anything that you said. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and congratulations again on such an, I think this is an epic feat of yours and it doesn't sound like it's going to get topped anytime soon. And like you said, it's low key out there, but you know, people like their records and they, you know, it's, it's a big deal. So congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. We'll be right back after this break. Our next guest is Lynn Marks from Hendersonville, North Carolina. Lynn is a mom of two and a product manager for PWC, and she is quite the accomplished athlete. She has run 33 marathons in 29 different states, and she's aiming to hit one marathon in every state so far. But in 2022, she tried something above and beyond. She did a full Ironman triathlon. And today she's here to tell us all about it. So welcome, Lynn. Hi, thanks for having me. So Lynn, when it comes to triathlon, you're a veteran, having been doing them for 17 years, but you didn't do an Ironman until last year. So what was the draw to do one? I had always wanted to do one. I just never seemed to have the time with the marathons. But then a friend of mine in Hendersonville ended up doing Chattanooga. She was going to do it. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do it, now's the time. I have someone to train with. And then Chattanooga, I lived there. And so I was familiar with the area. Mm-hmm. Plus was that it was a downstream swim. So I figured that was to my advantage and that would help me make the cutoff. Nice, nice. Well, I'm curious, is Tennessee a state that you've already run a marathon in or can you double cross that one? It's a double because I actually lived in Nashville. I went to Vanderbilt for graduate school. Okay. And then we lived in Chattanooga for three years. So that was another one of the draws. Okay. So yeah, I've already, I ran Nashville years. I don't even know what year it was a long time ago. All mm-hmm. right. Okay. Well, cool. So, so the friend talked you into it. So, um, so do, do you guys train together? No, she's a gazelle. I am, <laughs> she's maybe 15 years younger than me. And she's just, she actually got a spot in Kona. 
from based on what we did. She finished like four hours ahead of me. Oh, wow. That's great. But it was just nice knowing she was going to be there. Someone I could talk to having, you know, same kind of training plan. Not really, because I used the AMR one and she did not, but just someone I could bounce ideas off of. And, you know, when I was pulling my hair out thinking I wasn't going to make it and she's like, oh, no, you'll be fine. It'll be great. So it's just kind of nice having somebody else that I knew was going to be there. Yeah, yeah. So how did your training have to change from what you have been doing? Obviously, it sounds like you've had a running focus to Ironman. And was that a tough adjustment? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was because I did so much less running for this Ironman training than I ever have. It, yeah. was, it made me a little nervous, to be honest with you, because I thought, I'm just not running enough. I'm doing a lot of biking and I'm cycling. You know, most, most triathletes, cycling is their strong point and swimming and running is their weakers. I'm the opposite. I'm a swimmer, a runner, and then a cyclist. So I had to really focus on that cycling. And it was it felt kind of weird at first to do all that cycling because that's just not what I'm used to, but I really enjoyed it. And now I'm looking forward to getting back to it again. Mm-hmm. Getting back to cycling or getting back to running? Cycling. Oh, okay. Nice. What, yep. what do you have planned for this year? I'm just curious. Um, right now I've got Little Rock Marathon on the books for March. And then there's a local like a century, half century, metric century ride they do every June. And I'm going to do the 50 miler this year. I did the 64 last year. I'll do that. And then I think I'm going to do a international triathlon. There's one I do every summer. Um, I'll do that. And then next fall, I'll do another marathon so I can keep going with my states. Wow. That's impressive. So Lynn, you said you use the AMR training program for your Ironman. Mm-hmm. What would you say was like the most challenging part about training? And also what was the most surprising part about it? The most challenging was the Saturday, the like the long rides on the weekends, because it was really hard to find, well, you had to get up early trying to, to avoid traffic. So trying to avoid traffic for six hours so you didn't get run over by a car. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. the most challenging. I ended up having to buy a trainer. And I think, Dimity, I think you answered one of my questions about how to get one because I ended up putting a trainer in the house because I didn't want to go outside in the afternoon on the roads because I was afraid to get hit. But that was the cha- most challenging part was the weekends and then trying to find 100 miles to ride the bike. Yeah. Oh my gosh, how many oops do I have to make? Um, I, I was just going to ask you, yeah, I mean, how did you find your roots? I mean, because that is one thing, like, I feel like I end up doing the same thing again and again, because I don't know how to, you know, it, it's it's hard to map a bike route, mm-hmm. I think. Like, how did you plan yours out, Lynn? I found like a 25 or 30 mile loop and I would just do it a couple times. That way I could come back to my car and get water. I could come back to my car if there was, because I parked where there was a park where there was a bathroom that was convenient. Mm-hmm. And so I would just do loops. And that way I knew exactly what I was going to do. I knew the roads. A couple of times I expanded and kind of wished I hadn't because I found a hill that I really didn't want to go up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I did. And then I came back. But that's pretty much, I just did loops. It was easier that way. Yeah. Easier and safer. I know, Yep. like having been training for triathlons many times in my past, I'd there's a strip of trail near my house. that's like just like four or five miles. And I've done that several times just to avoid cars. So yep. 25 miles is actually pretty great. Cause like, you know, four times around isn't so bad. Although I know it takes a while. <laughs> so, <laughs> what was surprised you the most, whether it was about yourself or about the training, was it easier than you thought it was or more challenging than you thought it was? What was surprising about it? The surprising thing was how great I felt the whole time. I was telling my husband the other day that talking about doing weights, doing weights, adding strength, adding strength. 
I did none all summer because I couldn't, I had no time. I was, you know, swimming in the morning, riding at night, swimming at night and all that. So I did hardly any strength all summer. I felt better than I have felt in years, even though I was exhausted a lot of the time, slept great, ate great, could eat anything I wanted. I was just amazed at how good I felt all the time. Wow. I mean, it was just amazing. I'd wake up, I'd be a little tired, but I had no injuries. I think I'm very lucky. I was just I'm thinking, I'm going to go back to triathlon training just because I felt so good. I mm-hmm. think it was the combination of the three just different disciplines. I just felt really, and, and I'm 58 years old. I felt great. I feel like I'm 20. Woo! Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And so I'm curious, did you ever, I mean, it, it's, it's a long, I can't, was it 36 weeks? It's definitely a long cycle. I mean, did, tell me about how you tell our listeners about how, like, did you ever your enthusiasm ever wane off or were you pretty steady Eddie or how did it go? I was pretty steady. I mean, I've been doing this for so long. It's just part of who I am. You know, I sure. get up on weekends, run long and all. A couple of the times it was tough knowing I had to be on the bike for like seven hours. Like, yeah. But other than that, it was pretty easy. And I think part of it was because I just, because I felt so good the whole time. Uh, and then my husband was and my son, my son still lives at home. They were very supportive. They knew I was going to be gone all weekend, all Saturday. And that it, they, you know, there was never any complaining. So that helped a lot. And then I didn't, like, I did take one weekend off during the summer where I did, my husband and I went out of town for the week. And I just didn't, I gave myself grace and said, it's not going to make a difference if mm-hmm. you skip one weekend. Yeah. You will still make it. Yeah. And I did. You did. So, there you go. Well, so yeah. So tell yeah. us about the race itself. Share some, some highs and some lows and like race day came and, and how did it go? It really went well. And like I said, I've, I lived in Chattanooga, so I had an idea. I was a little concerned about the bike. Cycling is not my thing, but someone told me if I could ride in Hendersonville, that Chattanooga was a piece of cake. And they were right. I think there was one hill where I went to the, to the big rain. That was it. I'm like, this is great. Wow. And it was raining. Almost the whole cycle was rain, but was okay because I had trained in the rain. So I was ready for it. But the but the swim was awesome. Because <laughs> that downriver swim. It was not only was it a downriver swim, but the way they put you in, it wasn't you know how everybody rushes in or like if they're going to drop all the men and they're going to drop all the women in. It was there were three pads on a dock. Three people walked up, and they jumped in and they went. Three people walked up, and they, so you. You weren't rushed. You just jumped in and you went. You wasn't worried about a body jumping on top of you or, or that you just kind of had room. So that was great. And then when I came out of the water, I knew I was going to make it because I looked at my time and I was at 54 minutes and I'm like, wow, I cannot swim that fast. I know. <laughs> that is a speedy time for, yeah. yeah, that's a very fast time for an Ironman swim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how great the downstream <laughs> swim is. So I came out and I thought, well, I'm ahead of schedule. So that was great. And I figured... I had all the time in the world. And then the cycle, like I said, the cycle, a lot of people had trouble. I mean, I saw a lot of people with flats and, you know, just uh, malfunctions and all kinds of issues. And I kept thinking, if you can get through this yeah. <laughs> without a bike issue, you'll be fine. And I did. So it was a two loop. So you did two loops. And I came around and my husband and my son had gone in my, my Sherpa the world's best Sherpa. If you ever do a, a show on Sherpas, I'll get my friend Charity on. But um, <laughs> they had taken the shuttle out to the halfway point. So I came around, I had just picked up my special needs bag. I got back on the bike and I start down and there they are. Aww. I mean, it was just like, oh my gosh, you guys came out. 
So then I did the second loop. And when I came around the second loop and was getting ready to turn right to go back into Chattanooga, I knew I was going to make it because that was the hardest part was behind me. I just knew at that point I had enough time. If I walked the marathon, I was going to make it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And by make it, Lynn, just to clarify, are you talking about the cutoff? Yeah, about the cutoff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is 17 hour? How many no. hours now? What is it? In Chattanooga, it's like 16 and a half because okay. of the swim. I think they cut it down, but I made it. You know, and, and, and Dimity, you know, the, the most awesome part about this is you get to the transition and they take your bike. the the transition areas in Ironman are like you know it's like flying first class right I mean they just help you so much right yes so they take my bike and I'm like I don't even have to and then they hand me the bag you're you're running up the chute and they're like yelling whatever your number is whatever and then and then they just hand you your bag and you run in and some woman starts helping you take your clothes off (laughs) the only thing about transition and they warned us and I still blew it was I did not have a special needs run bag because I was just going to had everything I thought in the, my transition bag. And I, she was so helpful that I ran out of transition and realized after mile one that I had left half my goose in my bag. Oh, no. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. But I still had time. And I just I just made it work. There was so much food at all these stations. I started eating pretzels. And it worked. I had a, I had a couple of goose. Um, so that was the only thing I would do. The only really issue I had was I ran out of goose, but they had they had potato chips, they had pretzels, they mm-hmm. had, you know, chocolate bars and all kinds of things. And so I, I that was fine, but um that was the biggest challenge. So you you finished and how what was your final mm-hmm. time? I think it was fifteen hours in either ten minutes or fourteen minutes. Wow. Congratulations. That's impressive. And you, you stuck through it for all that time and that was your goal time or had, did you hit your goal time or were you close to it? I had two goals. First goal was to finish. And the second goal, no, first goal was to survive. And the second was to finish. So I made both. I had no time goal. I just wanted to survive and finish. So I did both those things. Yeah, you did. That's great. Yeah. And I remember I was coming around and it was like mile 24 and was a man coming out of the porta potty, and I was thinking, you know, I could use that porta potty, but if I go in that porta potty and sit down, I'm not coming back out. <laughs> just keep moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm moving. Keep moving yeah. forward. But, yeah, it's a long day for yep. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my husband and my sherpa were at the end, which that was great because I did not have to find my way back to the hotel because I don't think I could have after 15 hours. <laughs> So now you're a few months past this amazing feat and looking back, I feel like when you're in it and you're like, okay, of course I did. I've been training for months. Of course I did this. But now that you look back and reflect, like, what are you really proud of about that? I'm just proud of the fact that I persevered and I did it. I didn't give up. And for the longest time, I didn't want to tell anybody that I was doing it because I thought if I don't tell anybody and I give up, it's okay. But I finally told people and then it was like, okay, now I have to do this. I'm just proud of the fact that I stuck to it and I, I'm not the best cyclist. And I overcame that fear that that was going to be my downfall. Cause that, that was a big thing for me was thinking I wasn't going to make it through the cycle, but I did. And I'm really proud of the time I had and the fact that I got through it, survived it and continuing to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So would you do another Ironman or is that, is it kind of one and done? Well, just like my marathons, 34 later, <laughs> first one, I said, yeah, I'm never doing that again. But, but, but and when I finished, go. I said, 
I'm never doing that again. But, but my friend that, that's doing the Kona and I, she, I said, well, maybe I'd do it again if I wasn't working. I think that's the caveat. If I wasn't working full time, I would do it again. But I don't think I could do it again working full time because I, it's just the time, the time it takes. It's mm-hmm. a lot of time. Yeah. So much time. Yeah, it is. So there's definitely people listening today, Lynn, who are going to be inspired by your story. Iron Man at 57, I guess, or you were 58. 58. And it's just like a a story that we want to share so that people can say, okay, maybe I can do that or their own version of an Iron Man, whatever that may be. But obviously, you know, it's not easy. So what's the message Mm -hmm. that you can share to others who are thinking about going after their own epic accomplishment this year? I think the biggest message is, you know, I consider myself a running tourist. I'm not out there. And same thing with the Ironman. I'm not out there. I know I'm not going to win. I know I'm probably not going to get a cone spot. My goal is just to finish and to be able to live, to run or walk another day or swim another day. So I just approach it with my goal is is just finishing it. And if that's your goal, you want to do something like that. If you have a time goal, great. But if not, and you don't make it, then don't let it stress you. Just go out and do it. Enjoy it. I tried to really enjoy every piece. I talked to people. I talked to other, you know, runners. I talked to people waiting for the swim and just, you know, go into it knowing, you know, you may not have the most perfect day. You may leave all your games in your transition bag and and just try it. You have nothing to lose if you don't try, you know, it's all you can do. I think that's perfect. Here's my biggest thing. I can do it. I am not fast. I think if I can do it, I think just about anybody can do it. It's just taking the time and following the plan. I'll tell you, the AMR plan, way to go. And Liz and um, Jen Jen were so helpful. I mean, I I don't think I could have done it without those guys. I really don't. I just don't think I would have made it. They are they are rock stars. I 100% agree. And I love that they make a plan that, you know, if you wanted to you know, that you, someone else could follow that plan and also try to go under 13 hours, you know? I mean, it's just a matter oh, yeah. of how, how oh, yeah. you know, where you are. But I love that you just say, if you, if you don't try, you know, you got to show up, right? That's what mm-hmm. you're yep. saying. You got to show up. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. great job, Lynn. Well, well, congratulations again. And good luck Thanks. in Little Rock. Hopefully, I, I mean, we've you. been there in years where it's poured rain. Hopefully that doesn't happen to you again, because I know it happened to you in Chattanooga. And looking forward to seeing you kind of just keep cruising along. You're doing, and, and uh Yeah crossing off a couple more states along the way. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks. And, uh, and Dimity, I will see you in Redmond because I will be there. Oh, great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. That's going to be a great yep. retreat. Yeah. I'm excited. We're going to looking forward to it. Get, getting some hiking in. Yes. <laughs> yep. 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 All right. Thank you so much, Lynn, for joining us and yeah, good luck in 2023. All right. Have a great day, guys. All right. Thanks, you too, Lynn. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Well, so if you have triathlon on your mind for 2023, as Lynn said, the plans that Jen and Liz have made are incredible. So head to our website, anothermotherrunner.com and to the training section and check out the triathlon training programs. We've got sprint, Olympic, half Ironman, but it's called 70.3 and then full Ironman. The plans fit lots of levels. So give them a go. Our podcast today was produced by Barry Medore of Fire on the Bluff in St. Paul, Minnesota. 